radioinfluence.com. We are back for another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Ford. That is Daniel Galvan. Appreciate you taking time out of your day. Download, listen to this episode of podcast, whether you're listening to us on the podcasting platforms or whether you're watching us on YouTube. If you listen to us on the podcast platforms, if you can leave a rating and review, that really does help us a lot as well. And of course, if you are watching us on YouTube, be uh, sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit that thumbs up here on the video. And of course, uh, leave a comment. Always uh, appreciate those comments. I uh, got a couple comments there on the Houston Alexander interview. I had a really fun time. I uh, chat with Houston on Sunday's episode of the podcast and really getting to uh, know, uh, you know what he's doing, not just inside uh, now the BKFC cage, but now what he is doing uh, with his foundation, the Houston and Alexander Foundation, so appreciate everyone checking that out. Of course, uh, Daniel, man, how you doing, man? I am doing great. We are slowly but surely working our way back into the MMA world. Don't have a pay-per-view this week. We're going to have to wait a weekend for that. But I uh, have a, a couple interesting fights this Saturday. The Ultimate Fighters premiering as we record. I, I'm excited to dip our toes, but, man, I think we got a great show. We have not won but two drafts that are going to take place on this show. We are going like super draft in this one. <laughs> yeah, you know, the NBA draft is not that far away, so we're going to go draft mode. Of course, uh, the first topic we're going to talk about is a Don Davis LinkedIn post. I thought it was a very interesting post that he put on LinkedIn. Then we're going to get into our first draft here on this episode, and that is going to be if we're going to start our own MMA promotion, we can only draft fighters who are currently either Bellator or PFL fighters who would we draft? Then we'll have we'll recap our May draft of fights and makes you realize how some some of our picks were really good. Other picks, not so much. Not to brag, Daniel's first round pick kind of sucked. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> not not to brag that my one hit. Now, of course, I had plenty of duds as well. A, that was the thing is I was going back and, and watching our picks for the month of May. And I was like, man, you think about how excited you get about some fights. And I think sometimes you don't necessarily look back, you know, two or three weeks before and you realize like, Ooh, that fight was not what I expected to be. And then some, there's other fights that, well, they, they ultimately deliver way more than you expected to them to deliver. Uh, so also we'll give our June draft. We've got a ton of MMA this month with the UFC Bellator and PFL. Of course, uh, as Daniel mentioned, we got a UFC fight night card, UFC Vegas on 74. Of course, we got headlined by flyweight matchup. We'll talk about that one. Also, we'll talk about the premiere of the Ultimate Fighter. But Daniel, where I want to start off is with this Don Davis LinkedIn post. Uh, people may have seen it. I put it up on my Twitter timeline earlier uh, on Tuesday. And Don Davis, uh, this is what he wrote. He says, MMA is the growth sports investment of this decade. And Professional Fires League is the number two MMA company worldwide and the number one fastest growing sports league the three most important measures of all sports leagues whether it's the nba epl or companies in mma is athlete quality viewership and media distribution pfl ranks second in all key measures one athlete quality in mma athlete quality can be compared by the percentage of the company roster top 25 world rank fight metrics is the only third-party independent agency that ranks all the fighters two viewership the majority of revenue in all sports goes from media rights and viewership on linear TV and streaming platforms in the basis of being paid more media rights. Social media is a helpful tool to increase the viewership, but sports is all about linear and streaming viewership. Three, 
paid media distribution? What is the quality and reach of the lender and streaming distribution partners? How many countries is the league paid cash media rights? What is the total global media rights per year? And then he ends up saying, note, the product is the foundation of everything. PFL has a premium and differentiated product as PFL is the only with the sports season format, and PFL is the leader in technology and innovation. And then, of course, uh, then it has this chart that notes the UFC, PFL, Bellator, and one championships. Talks about uh, years in existence. Are we just going to ignore the PFL has been around for 11 years? They were just under a different name? Yeah, you can't separate the PFL from the World Series of Fighting. They are the same company it is crazy to do such a thing. It's like saying the Los Angeles Lakers were not the same team as the Minneapolis Lakers. It's um, it's a matter of changing the facts to match your narrative. And we see that not only with that idea of the fastest growing organization, but along with the idea that they have 25% of the top 25 fighters on the planet. Well, thing I started to think about that, and someone kind of noted to me, is them saying, like, say if they have eight heavyweights, two of their eight heavyweights are ranked in the top 25. Okay, I get that. Now, that number is very skewed when you start talking about women's MMA. Someone had noted to me that 15 of their 50 men's fighters are ranked in the top 25, which, okay, that, that makes some sense there. But as I was kind of thinking about this driving into the office today, and looking at kind of what Don Davis says here on LinkedIn, it, one of the things that really stuck out to me is why does the PFL have a hard on for wanting to be known as the number two promotion MMA? I have no idea, but it's certainly been the narrative um, that they've been wanting to put out there. And they might, in fact, be number two. It's relatively close. They don't win all those categories that Don laid out. They clearly win the distribution deal. They viewer, do they, they, they're number they're number two in viewers. I would say they're, they're number two in viewership, and part of that is because Bellator's on Showtime and the the uh, the inability for some people to maybe that don't subscribe to Showtime. So I would say he's got two of the three now. Athlete quality. I don't like. I want to know. I want someone to t- defend me how the PFL has a better overall roster than Bellator. I don't know how you can make that claim, Daniel. Yeah, we went through the rosters in preparation for this draft of Bellator and PFL talent, and it's pretty stark that Bellator just has a lot more depth than the PFL. The PFL is pretty top-heavy with name value. They have three really big names on their roster. And throughout the field, in a couple of those weight classes, they have two to three really, really talented fighters. But then there's a really big drop-off, whereas with Bellator, you really see a solid eight to ten fighters in most of those weight classes, like featherweight, bantamweight, lightweight, welterweight, middleweight. All those weight classes are relatively deep, eight fighters deep. You look at PFL, there's anywhere from one to four attractive fighters in all of those weight classes compared to maybe six to eight for Bellator. Uh, I want to backtrack about the men's thing you said. I, I didn't understand what you said. You said 15 out of 50? Well, yeah. What did you say? What do you? But, but if we're talking, oh, because they only have five possible divisions, right? That's the remember, whole idea. They have, remember, they have no middleweight division. So what weight classes do they have? They have welterweight, 
So light, you got heavyweight, lightweight, light, lightweight, 145, 155, 170, 205, and heavyweight. Okay, so five, that's 125 possible positions, not 50. So I want to find the tweet that someone got to me. And John Nash also, he responded in a, in a way also relating uh, to that as well, um, where he says, um, so this was John Nash's original response to me. He said, percentage of the company fire roster, top 25 world rank, in quotation. We have a much smaller roster than others. It's much easier to have a higher percentage of your fighters be ranked, but they're way below Bellator with regards to total number of fight metric ranked fighters. Uh, it goes also to say they currently have 24 fight matrix top 25 fighters in their six weight classes and 11 of them are in women's featherweight talking about the PFL. Okay. So it's, so it's very have- heavy female base for them. Okay. Okay. So he's saying, he's saying out of six weight classes, they have 24 yeah. fighters. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's include the women's division then. Okay. Six times 25 is 150 so 24 divided by 150 is what you're asking what is you, what you, you know what it is it's not 25 it's one it's one sixth what the hell is one sixth one sixth is uh one sixth is um okay let me do let me pull out a calculator because you know i'm a comm major okay one this is compelling audio one divided by six that's 16 percent that's if we include the women's division. Okay, how many women did he say work in that top 25? 11. Okay, so 24 minus 11. Okay, we have a number 13. Okay, 13, five divisions, 125. 13 divided by 125. That is 10%, which is less than half, half of 25%. And we're not even including the weight classes that the PFL doesn't have. Since the PFL included a weight class that other promotions don't have, maybe it would be fair to include all the other weight classes. So which weight classes is the PFL missing out on? Which ones are, did they not include? They do not. So they don't, don't have a middleweight division. Heavyweight One. heavyweight division, they only have, if you count Ngannou, they only have two fighters ranked in the top 25. So does that mean the number is now 26? Or yeah. did, was that... I'm okay, not so sure 26. if he's including that, but it's ultimately oh, is like, like, I mean, <laughs> like I'll mention this, tw- this tweet I got from Jon Snow here. He says, why is Don Davis always worried about being perceived as a bigger promotion than they really are? All these expansion to Europe, Africa, et cetera, without any actual substance. It seems more like a PR move designed to be perceived as bigger than they are. Everything they do looks like a PR move designed to be bigger than they are to attract more investors. He loses credibility with each crazy claim just fudging numbers, false advertising, or outright lying. A lot of their moves, PFL Europe, PFL South America, PFL Africa, the rumor PFL in the Middle East, they just give the illusion of the company being bigger than they are. But they just slap the PFL name in any promotion from those areas and claim they are much bigger. Um, and then finally says, he goes, even the signings of Jake Paul and Nganu, nobody knows when or who they will, be, if they will be fighting, it's more about making some noise rather than putting on great fights. And as I was looking at the month of, of June for the PFL, that, that was kind of one of the things like, I just think of instead of constantly trying to tout yourself as a number two MMA organization, which at the end of the day, 
as a combat sports fan, do I really give a crap who the number two MMA organization world is? No, I just want to see great fights. And as I look at this June month for the PFL, not a lot jumped off the, ta- the off the paper at me. Yeah, I agree with you. There wasn't one fight that I was super excited for out of the three shows we're getting out of them this June. Here's a thought I had with amongst this whole discussion. And I've, I've said this a few times. Being number two has never meant less than it does now. Mm-hmm. Think about all of the great memories you remember over the past year that have happened inside of a Bellator or a PFL cage. You can only think of a handful, I would imagine. Me personally, when I think of PFL, maybe Larissa Pacheco upsetting Kayla Harrison and maybe one or two moments from the championship finale. That's over the past year. Bellator, there's only a few moments as well. Think about all the things you can think of when you think about what happened in the WEC, what happened in Strike Force, what happened in Bellator during the Bjorn Rebney run. Think about how much more cards in Japan under the Dream banner meant, how much those Strike Force cards mattered. Think about how much more Fabricio Verdum tapping out Fedor meant mm-hmm. than anything we've seen out of a number two MMA promotion in the past three years. The number two promotion has never meant less. And it's not only because of the product, both Bellator and the PFL put out there, but the other thing, Jason, we both know this, the UFC has sucked up all the oxygen in the room. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Like, if I was going to offer a big criticism of the PFL, as we sit here at the end of May of 2023, and Don Davis did that interview with, with Barstool Sports on the Spinning Backfix podcast, and he talked about that one of the biggest lessons he's learned in the business is you got to give the consumer what they want. Is PFL giving a consumer what we want? And I'll just I'll name one fight. There was one fight they needed to make in 2023. They've not made it yet. Kayla Harrison, Larissa Pacheco. Yep. No doubt about it. That should have been the first fight of the season, but it's a promotion that was booking scared because they only have Kayla on two more fights, I believe. Yes. You you are you are you are totally right about that. At the end of the day, PFL's doing a good job. They have improved themselves year over year. But again, this fascination with being number two is so irrelevant. It don't matter at all. Being number two has never meant less. They just gotta focus on putting on memorable good fight cards that fight fans want to see. When I look in the month of June, there isn't a good fight card. You know the tournament, it doesn't matter if you have a season tournament if the season is filled with half of the fighters that people aren't interested in seeing fight. The most exciting fight PFL may have in the month of June is not even a fight that, that's a main event. And I would go to the June 23rd card, Clay Collar versus Stevie Ray. That would be, I think, potentially a fight that could really deliver for them. But as we were talking about, we're ha- having two drafts on this episode. Of drafting I'm excited. a Bellator. We can only draft. They have to be under contract, Bellator or PFL. So we've talked about we're gonna make this eight rounds. I'm gonna let you I'm I, I'm gonna let you go first. I am interested on who oh your num- God. who your number one pick is. This is very tough because there's a couple fighters in the Bellator roster who are very exciting to take on, who have less name value than the top names in the PFL roster. They, ha- they are names where you could see them being the best fighter on the planet for the next five to seven years. So I'm it's really you, hard to pass on them. It, there is a clear 
number one overall pick for me. Uh, and if you don't take him, he's it. going number two. Uh, all right, I'm going to take Usman Nurmagomedov off of my number one pick. He has to be the number one pick. <laughs> How? I agree. Like, he, he Here's young, the thing. Here's the thing. Talented. Yeah. He's got the Nurmagomedov name. I had to do you. You. I was going to pick somebody else, but you got me because the thing is this. Francis and Jake Paul will probably make you more money than Usman ever will. But the upside of Usman, like he might just be the best fighter on the planet for the next five years. So I took Usman to go screw yourself. Who are you taking? I'm sticking in, in Bellator. Oh, no. Who you got? Give me AJ McKee. Yeah. He was the other Bellator fighter. Um he was the other Bellator fighter that I was thinking of. Okay. Oh God, there, there is, is, bro. There are multiple Bellator fighters that. Well, I, but I like for the number by. one overall pick, but like yeah. AJ McKee and Usman are clearly the top Bellator fighters in my opinion. If you're making a roster, those are the two guys you look at. Of I can draft you, and I'm going to build my entire company around you. And then there's some fighters <sighs> that are like legends. There's a couple guys who are like almost at their level in terms of youth and, and talent level, but we'll get there. Are we doing snake? Or are we all we're, we're doing? We're doing snake now. This is where right. this is a who's tough your, one for me. Okay, I, I'm gonna go Francis, ah, but, un, okay. but I do understand that the time is going to be limited because of his age. What what kind of does the next year play out for? But I think you have to go. I would have to go Francis number two. Time for me to make some money. Screw it. This man has never fought before. <laughs> I'm taking I'm ta- I'm taking Jake Paul. I think Jake Good Paul pick. if I if I bring if I bring him on my promotion, I can just put him on pay-per-view and he's going to get all those people to buy him taking on a broomstick. And then after Jake Paul, this is a very tough pick because obviously PFL has one more big name available. Um but I don't think I'm going to go with that name. Now I'm looking at that Bellator roster and and again, now we're starting to see where Bellator really is superior to PFL's roster because literally on my draft board, I'm being honest with you, there's one PFL name. And there's like 15 names after that, and then we get to the next PFL name. And I'm not joking. I'm literally not joking. That this I, I, is showing I, I, you the difference in the roster. Dude, when I was I, so I went to the PFL roster first, I just started writing down names. And I've got eight PFL fires that I wrote down. I might have 20 Bellator fighters written down. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, after. Yeah. I, I have quite a few PFL fighters, but there's, there's a long list of Bellator fighters. So this is now becoming a Bellator draft with the fact that one of us is going to take Kayla Harrison at some point. Okay. Enough of me talking. Screw it. I'm just going to take a guy who's a legend. Patricio Pitbull. Uh, he was uh, another guy. I thought you could develop Ross. For, I, I want to thank you. For not taking Kayla Harrison because I'm trying to make money over here. So uh, third round pick, give me Chris Cyborg. Fourth round pick, give me Kayla Harrison. Damn, that is, dude. Damn, I should have, I should have screwed. If I picked Kayla, would you have screwed me over and pitch Chris Cyborg? No, because what, what am I going to do with Chris Cyborg at that point? Well, you can pick Julia. Just find a, a warm body for her her to terrorize in like two minutes. Yeah, let me. Let me take off Chris Cyborg. Yeah, can't see, see you had you had to play that right. You had to play that when it was a snake for you to so see you could grab both of them at the same time. Man, I'm just going to um, I'm going to go with Sergio Pettis, and 
I'm going to go with Patchy Mix. Like it, like it. I'm basically getting the Bellator roster now. <laughs> All right. Who do you got? Who are your next two picks? I got to go Johnny Eblen, the first one. Yep. He would have. Yep. He's. Yep. And you know what? Give me Larissa Pacheco. I have someone as a backup fighter. Kaylor Chris Cyborg does make it the fight night. I love how you suddenly have put together the best women's featherweight <laughs> class in the history of the world. I let me take out Larissa Pacheco from my list. I got to scroll down to find Larissa. Where is she? Yeah, you. Oh my God, I can't even find her. I I have her for sure because she is marketable because she beat her. Okay, there we go. Okay, okay. Now let me go to my list. Again, I'm going back to the Bellator well. I'm picking Michael Page. And again, I'm just going straight draft board now. I'm, I'm feeling good. Now, there is a fighter who is worse than a lot of people on my draft board right now. But he's more marketable. And I'm going to pick him. I'm picking Aaron Pico. Ah, oh, you bastard. But you have two more picks. Final two picks. See, now this is where it becomes interesting. Okay. There's a lot, like, there's four other PFL fighters I have on my list. I got Brandon Laughlin on the board, Rob Wilkinson, Clay Collard, Shane Burgos. Bellator, I've got a crap ton of quality fighters. Vadim Nemkov's on my board. Gagar Musasi, Rafael Stotts, Koji Horiguchi. If I'm looking to sell some fights, I got Danny Sabatello sitting on the board. Adam Borax. Yaroslav Amosov. Yeah, Brent, that's what I thought you were going to pick. Brent Ward. Douglas Lima. Yeah. Corey Anderson. Ryan Bader. I mean, the, it's it's one of these things where when you talk about who has the deeper roster, how, how do you not say Bellator? I got to go Amosov next one just because I think Amosov is potentially the best one seven in the world at this point. Yep. And the last one. Like, I want to say Koji Horiguchi, but I got no one in the fight. So give me Vadim Nemkov. So you basically took two dudes who might have cases for being the best fighters in their weight class. And, and that, I mean, those were – those I would have picked whoever you didn't pick. So you you killed it. You absolutely killed it. I have one last pick. And let me tell you, there's one PFL fighter I have ranked higher that, than you have. I have ranked higher than anybody you mentioned. I'm a big believer in Oliver Aubin-Mercier. I think he might actually be the most, the second most talented dude on that roster in terms of like if he went to the UFC, if he went back to the UFC, I think he would probably have the most success out of anyone not named Francis on their roster. So I just want to give him his kudos, but I'm not picking him. Uh, just when I look straight at my big board, you know, Gegard's a, le- a legend, so is Bader, and so is Lima. But I'm going to just go with my heart and uh, I'm going to go with Raphael Stout. That's my big board. I, I have a lightweight promotion. Uh, you know, when you when you look at our picks, it's interesting. Uh, I feel like I basically have six Bellator picks. Wait, I have seven Bellator fighters and one PFL fighter, and you have three PFL fighters and five Bellator fighters. So among yeah, so the top you, you, six teams, yeah, you made nine picks. No, I made eight. No, you made nine. I got Usman, Jake Paul, Patricio <laughs> Pitbull, Sergio, Patchy, Page, Pico, Stouts. And OAB, you mentioned OAB. Oh, oh, no, no. I was just giving him props. I oh, 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 okay. okay. I just, yeah, I just wanted to say I felt like he was the number one um, PFL fighter available. So, yeah, not him. I didn't pick him. Yeah, I mean, I have like I, seven four guys before him. But you look at, I mean, 
looking at the guys from PFL that we didn't draft, you know, Brandon Lawfoyne. Unfortunately, I think for Brandon Lawfoyne, he's always going to be known as the guy that Dana White didn't give a contract to because he went for a takedown. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilkinson has really turned his career around in, in the PFL fighting at 205. Burgos, I mean, we all kind of know what, what he is and what he has shown. But but then, like, you, you look at you, Koji Horiguchi. I would just call him the uncrowned Bellator flyweight champion at this point. Uh, Sabatello, we all know Sabatello knows how to talk a good game. You mentioned about Gegard, Bader, Corey Anderson. Brandon Ward's got a huge fight coming up against Logan Storley. Uh, and Adam Borax is another one, a guy who's challenging. But it, it's just one of these things, like, and we mentioned this now a couple of times, but when you went back there and you just kind of looked at the depth. And, I mean, look, and PFL is still overall a young company, and, and maybe the Francis will be able to bring some other top fighters with him. Um, but it, it's like, in kind of going back to what Don Davis said, it's like, it's kind of like, hey, instead of just constantly wanting to tell everyone your number two promotions, how about you talk about the fights coming up? Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. It's just, and it's consistently the narrative he's wanting to focus on. But it's like, yeah, talk about, you know, Magomed Magikaramov or uh, Movlid Haibulov or Magomed Umulatov. You know, talk about those dudes. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun draft. I, I think uh, we both got good rosters. Uh, I think I have the better promotion. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's for me to pick. Just, just to wrap it up, you drafted A.J. McKee, Francis Ngannou, Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison, Johnny Evelyn, Larissa Pacheco, Yaroslav Amosov, and Vadim Nemkov. And my picks were Uzman Magomedov, Jake Paul, Patricio Pitbull, Sergio Pettis, Patchy Mix, Michael Page, Aaron Pico, Raphael Stouts. You nailed your your like last two picks. Because theoretically, you might have the best middleweight, welterweight, and light heavyweight in the world. Um, I don't think you do. But Eblin, Amosov, and Enkov have that upside. And I guess Francis does Look, too. And I guess AJ does too. And plus, I could put on the women's fight that everyone wants to see. And then you could do a second one that everyone wants to see. Okay, I have a backup Kayla, fire ready to go. Kayla. Yeah. Yeah. You got you got yourself a good roster. You do. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. So So I so oh, I guess man. we can we can move into our recap of the May draft that we had uh, of the fights. Okay. So uh, back in May, I had the first overall pick. So uh, I, I hit I hit out of the park with Sterling and Cejudo. Uh, my second pick was DJ Morace, three, Walker Smith, four, Edwards Musasi, five, Lima Van Stina, six, Jordan Gracie. <laughs> that was a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> Dern Hill, Bucky Fialo, <laughs> Primus Mansour, Williams Badova. Then you, what you had, your first pick was Muhammad Burns. Yeah, that didn't nope. work out for you. Yeah, but that then, was but awful. then you, man, you had some bangers that worked out for you. Almeida versus Rosenstruck with your second round pick, third, Jan Andraj. Then you went for Vola Dober, uh, Janaroba Rodriguez, Evelev Lopez, maybe one of your better picks. And that was your that was your sixth round pick. North Cut uh, fight, uh, Tim Means, Morono, Gary Rodriguez, and then uh, Carlos Diego Fajaya and Michael Johnson. And boy, we saw how that thing ended between those two guys. I mean, I kind of think I think you. I mean, even though I, I nailed it with the first round pick, I think that you you had some bang, some fights in the bangers. I I think you edged me out again. It's a, it's a close call. I think we're gonna need our our viewers to give us the the feedback. I think at the end of the day, you had the better stake and I had the better sides, and and that's just how it played out. You know, yeah, you I mean, had I just the much had, better stake. I had some fights that just didn't deliver. Walker, Anthony Smith did not deliver. 
Edwards Musasi was not the greatest of fights. We all know what Cron Gracie did. Um, I feel like you you thought it was 1995 the way he was fighting. Um, Buckley delivered. That was um, awful. Yeah, Dern delivered. But yeah, there were some other ones that just uh, did not deliver. Um, and, but all you right. you had some bangers, man. I mean, I, I think I mean Matt Provola. I mean that you want to talk about the fight of the month that I got completely wrong. That is the fight I got completely wrong, man. I thought Dober was going to go in there and just you turn did. his lights you off. Did. And, and boy, was I goddamn wrong. You, I remember when I made that pick, you thought, you know, and then hell, I got Lopez out here and that guy pulled off a great story. He yeah, I'm like, did I'm like, bro, why are you taking a nine to one betting underdog? And that was like the best fight of the month. You know, that was a beautiful story. So, I mean, hey, June is interesting. I, you got the first pick for the month of June, and I tell you what, I'm glad I don't have the first pick. I think I think having that snake is the best position because I really believe when you look at the month of June, there are three marquee fights, and then there's a drop-off. Okay, I'm interested if our top three fights are that because I have – I literally – I starred three fights that I said, these are the top of my board. In, in, I don't in, know. And these are in no particular order. Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. Yeah, that's Sergio Pettis versus Patricio Pitbull. Yeah. And Josh Emmett versus Ilya Taporia. That wasn't one of my top three fights. Really? Well, I'm, in, I'm, in, <laughs> I'm interested in what. Uh, oh, it's, it's more. Oh, clearly it's more rescreen. <laughs> do I even have the Maurice Green fight? Did on you? My list? By the way, did you see Maurice Green was doing the interview and uh, John Jones made an appearance? No, but I'm telling you, John Jones is going to will this dude into becoming like the second biggest PFL star. <laughs> the second I saw Maurice Green was like following John Jones in the UFC, embedded a part of his training camp. I was like, this dude is going to become a PFL. I'm telling you, he's going to get that John Jones rub. Um, I have Murray Screens fight somewhere, but I don't think I'm going to get to it. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like you're going to get two of your three fights, and I'm going to get two of my three fights. So I'm going to leave it to you. What's the first pick? I got to go with history here. My first pick has got to be Patricio Pitbull looking for his third belt, taking on Sergio Pettis. Dude, dude, that I'm I'm glad I didn't have the first pick, so I wouldn't have to make the choice between that fight and, and Oliveira and, and Benil. And I'm being honest with you, I probably would have made the same pick. Sergio and Patricio is the most interesting fight of the month. But I don't have that pick. I didn't get Sergio Patricio. So I'm going to draft Oliveira and Benil Dariush. And then from that same pay-per-view, I'm going to draft the main event. I'm going to draft Aldana and Nunez. It's not the most interesting fight, but it's still a championship fight, and Amanda Nunez is still the woman's goat. Uh, she's a marketable fighter, and that fight might actually be pretty entertaining. So who? Well, so now uh, the ball's back in your court. So clearly, I'm going Emmett Taporia. I I love that fight. Yeah. I, that that to me has got violence written all over it. Now this is where it gets kind of interesting. Yep. Because there's some fights on here that I think are really good, could deliver really well. There's some fights I think are super important, but may not be the most exciting. And I fear I'm going to go with one of those fights right here. 
I'm going the main event, UFC Vegas 75, June 17th. Marvin Vittori and Jared Cannier is my third-round pick. So, yeah, when I'm looking at my draft board, um, the Emmett fight was, was clearly number four. Um, Vittori and Cannonier was number six. So I'm going to go – I feel like there's two more really marketable main event caliber fights, and I'm going to take them too. I'm going to go to Bellator, and I'm going to take – this fight might really suck because this guy is like bipolar in the octagon. But Yoel Romero versus Vadim Nenkov. Vadim mm-hmm. uh, might be the best light heavyweight in the world. And he's looking to prove it against a, a veteran in UL. And then I'm going to have to go with the main event this Saturday. Uh, Kai Kaur, France, and um, Amir Albazi. That is one of... Uh, I have four fights for that uh, listed for this Saturday's card. Yeah, I have one fight listed really high that might I might overpick. But it's a nostalgia. Here goes a pro- potentially an overpick here in the fourth round. Nate Landwehr and Dan Ige. That is not an overpick. That I only have one other fight ahead of it. <laughs> that fight might be the best fight of the month. For real. That, that's got pure violence written all over it. That is the fight that I'm sad I don't have. There's no other fight you have that I'm more jealous of than that one right there. Nate Landwehr is must-watch TV. Yes, very much so. I'm gonna give you now. My next one, I'm gonna go to Bellator, and look, this may not be an exciting fight because of their their um, wrestling abilities, but it's a notable fight. Two hundred five pounds, Corey Anderson versus Phil Davis. Look, it's a notable fight. There's no way you're gonna feel good about the Corey Anderson might get a first round finish. He might get a first round finish, but I had this fight super under under. I like low on my draft works. I knew you were going to take it ahead of me because I don't want nothing to do with Phil Davis and Corey <laughs> Anderson. Okay, I'm going to go with the women's fight um, from the 24th. Give me Macy Barber versus Amanda Rebus, and then, dude, I'm struggling because I really do, like. I feel like I have this fight way too high on my draft board, but this dude's a legend. And there's one fight that I know I'm not going to get because I know you're going to take it because it's clearly like a bad, like an awesome fight. Oh man, screw it, screw it. Oh god, I, I'm going back and forth. Oh, I'm going to go with my gut instinct. And I'm going to go Jim Miller, Jared Gordon. No, yeah, I'm going to go Jim Miller, Jared Gordon. Damn it, I know exactly. You're going to take one of these fights that I really want. Uh, uh my sixth round pick. Give me Alex Aceres versus yeah. Daniel Pineda. <laughs> That's dude. Ah, that was the better pick. That was the better pick. Gosh darn it! Yeah, it, it was interesting. Last time I I did an interview with uh, Daniel after his last fight, and you know, he had he had talked about that. He's like, look, if I lost that matchup, he goes, I probably would have retired. But he's got a new contract, and um, I, I just think that that fight has the potential just to be a, a very much a banger. Um, so now I'm in my seventh round pick. Uh, give me a. Uh, Imaval versus Curtis at UFC 289. Yeah. Yeah, Curtis Curtis is always fun to watch. Um, did you see his line the other day? No, what did he say? He talked about wanting to go down well twenty minutes. I've been taking his middle way. He goes, he goes, sometimes you might just F off too much and get ranked. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, he's that's a good that's a good sneaky fight. That's just sneaky on there. On that card, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna stick with my draft board. I'm gonna go Brendan Allen and Bruno Silva from the 24th, mm-hmm. 
And I'm going to go with Tetsuro Tyra and Clayton Rodriguez. I'm just a big believer in Tyra as a flyweight prospect. And I think he's going to get in. He's going to have an entertaining fight. Like it, like it. By the way, have, none of us have given a PFL fight yet. <laughs> no, I, 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 there's a PFL fight that like is on my draft board. Um, and I think it's going to be really obvious because of what I said in our draft, but I'm not going to pick it because there's one fight that's not in the PFL or belt or UFC. I'm going to pick. All right, my eighth round pick, uh, I'm going to go down a lower weight class here. I think uh, obviously one of the fighters has been making news that have nothing to do with his actual fight game. But uh, stylistically, I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Tim Elliott versus Victor Altamirano. Yeah, I agree with you. Tim Elliott's always super fun to watch, and, and Victor impressed in, in, in his last fight. It's a good I'll one. You, I'll tell you something. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. I was talking about, uh, you know, Various things you see with um, MMA media coverage. And I said, I was like, I go, look, I go, I'd interview Tim Elliott, but I have no desire at all to ask him anything about his personal life. Yeah, yeah. It's like low-hanging fruit. Like it, it, every t- every time he did an interview, it was always something about, you know, um, his marriage. I'm like, I yeah, well, he made it. Yeah, well, he, he made, made, it, he made it public knowledge, but like, I'm like, like, and that's the problem, man. I see in MMA media these days, it is, it's no longer about having dope conversation with fighters. It's about what is that thing that's going to get people to, you know, clickbait. Yeah, but it's, it's, it sucks, but I mean, that's, it's a business, right? And and that's why they're doing it, which sucks. But the product itself is awful. But it's a business because they're trying to sell advertisement and and, and get public baits, and it's a rush. But uh, who are you, I, who are you picking for I, number nine? I, I, speaking of that, I thought it was funny. Is uh, I'm on the bloody elbow li- uh, reader email list, and uh, basically, them basically begging for money for people to support them. I thought that was very well, telling. Of course, but, I mean, going that's back and also, Mick Maynard probably isn't a good thing either. Yeah, that's not a good thing. But I mean, that's also kind of the model that you're seeing is the is like the Substack Patreon yeah. model. I mean, it works really well for the co-main event podcast, but it's just a matter of building that audience and and it's basically what happened with cable. Cable is like people said, "Oh, I just want this, so give me this." So now people are like, "I just want to read Bill Simmons," so I'm going to subscribe to the Bill Simmons Substack. Yeah. And then it's going to end up costing people more than how it was before. But I digress. Oh, I know. Uh, who you got? Who you got? Nine? Pat Sabatini versus Lucas Almeida on the June 17th fight night card. What, what gets you excited about that one? I've, I've Pat Sabatini has been a guy that I have followed around for a long time. Love what he can do on the ground for that Philly scene. Uh, Almeida, great prospect as well. I think it's a really uh, fun stylistic matchup. Okay. You, which fight do you think I have that isn't in UFC belt or PFL? I'm guessing it's something in one championship or nope. KSW. Yeah, I'm going with a two and zero fighter named Arthur Spilka, who is taking on Marius Pudzianowski. Give me Marius Pudzianowski <laughs> on my hypothetical <laughs> fight card. This thing is going to go sixty seconds. 
It's going to be entertaining. KSW 83, which happens this weekend, is probably going to be the most attended mixed martial arts card the Bro, entire effing year. I, I would say in the whole PFL calling themselves the number two organization in the world. Could PFL sell 50,000 tickets the way KSW does? I don't know. KSW might be the number one promotion in the world. <laughs> Jeez Louise. I don't know how they sell that many tickets, but and I, I kind of wanted to pick the main event, Mommy Kaladoff and, and Scott Askham, but Putinowski's fight is for sure going to be entertaining. So um, who's your uh, final pick? Dude, I might end up going PFL. Like, there's there's one high-quality UFC fighter that we haven't picked yet, like a top 10 dude in his weight class, but he's fighting – he's fighting he, – he is an inter- entertaining fighter, and he's fighting a, a pretty heavy underdog. I'm going to go with the PFL fight where the odds got to be wide, but this guy's got to want to win. He's probably going to go for an exciting finish. Screw it. I'm going Shane Burgos, Yamato Nishikawa. I think that's a guaranteed first-round finish, and I think um, that might put me in a position to get a highlight reel. There's one PFL fight available that you've already mentioned before that I think could be a steal in terms of like a fight-of-the-month contender, but I I picked the one who I know is going to be an easy six. Yeah, I'll go with Collard and and, um, Stevie Ray as my final one. Um, I'll also tell you, in terms of uh, a potential very much under-the-radar fight for PFL is actually on next week's card, Josh Severia against Dylan Monte. That's a fight to pay attention to. Well, obviously, people are going to know who Josh Saveria is, you know, son of Cohen Saverio. Uh, but Dylan Monte is a very fun fighter to watch there. Um, other fights that we didn't mention that I had on my list, the Brennan Laughlin's fight, of course, that's the main event uh, of next week's card. The Maverick and uh, Jasmine fight at UFC 289 was on my list as well. Um, Dale James was on my list for his fight. At Bellator 297. Also, Archie Colgan versus Emmanuel Sanchez is was another one that was on my list. Uh, I had the Maurice Green fight. I had the Pacheco fight against Lee Brock. Uh, the Saruki and Silva fight was on my list. OAB, Anthony Romero uh, was the other fight that was on my list that we didn't mention. The only two fights that I have on my list that you didn't mention were UFC fights. Uh, Neil Magny. Is taking on Philip Rowe on the 24th. That's kind of hiding on that card, but Neil Magny is literally the 11th ranked UFC welterweight. And, um, I, you know, I love me some flyweights. Uh, Matt mm-hmm. Schnell and David Diverak. You know, Matt Schnell, 8th ranked flyweight. David isn't is 10th ranked. So you have 8 versus 10 in the flyweight division just hanging out there. Yeah, but of course, uh, coming up this weekend, we got that UFC Vegas 74 car course headlined by Car Car France against Amir Abazi. A straight up pick fight, just pulling up the uh, the fight odds here. Minus 110 on each side. Uh, a couple of these fights we, we kind of talked about there in terms of our draft. Cesaris and Daniel Pineda, that should be a fun one. Jim Miller, I mean... OG of this game, uh, Jared Gordon, uh, is a, a betting favorite in this one. I mentioned about the Elliot Altamirano fight. Uh, that one, to me, has got uh, some fun written all over it. Uh, Andre Arlovsky, Dontel Mays. Um, I guess, you know, just place a bet on Andre Arlovsky, win by split decision. Probably got a good chance of winning that bet. Uh, fight card has gone through a couple of changes with, with some fighters losing some matches. But, like, I, I think you hit on the, hit on a little bit earlier. I mean, the, the reason to watch this card on Saturday is, is one reason, one reason only to me that that is the main event of Kai Car France and Amir Abazi. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. I will say this much: Caceres Pineda is probably going to be badass. But yes, Kai Car France Abazi, and then it's a big drop off in terms of fighter quality. Um, in terms of that main event, you know, 
this is obviously the most talented fighter Amir Al-Bazi's taken on by like a wide margin, like like a wide, 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 wide margin. That's why I'm picking Kai Kara France. I think Kai's going to keep it standing, and I think the standard between these two is dramatically different. But Amir come out and make this dirty, bring it to the ground, maybe look for a submission. But over five rounds, Kai Kara France is a little more battle-tested, but Amir, an incredible talent. Yeah, I mean, Pinea Cesaro's fight. I mean, I think it's going to be as fun as it lasts. Uh, you know, I don't think that thing's going to last 15 minutes, but I think that's a, that's a fun one here. I mean, Jim Miller, I mean, it's still crazy that Jim Miller is still doing this damn thing uh, at his age of 39 dude, years old. Dude, I want to give credit to this dude because I was listening to him, and I'm literally, I wasn't thinking about this till I heard him say it. This guy on YouTube is called MMA Experts. Um, I guess he's really good because I just Google like UFC preview and he's the first one that comes up. Anyways, I want to give him this because he said it and I wasn't thinking about it. Jared Gordon got knocked out by a headbutt and by punches like a month ago. And he's fighting already. Think about that. Think about what happened at Bobby Green's fight. And okay, so like ask yourself, when did he get back in the gym to start training? Right? And and how was he back in there a month later? The reality is he was probably back in the gym the next week. Probably. He probably was. I, I uh, Is Jim Miller underdog that, here? Because, but that's also a thing of, I look at the UFC on that. That, that to me, is a UFC problem. If what, a dude what, gets finished by strikes, there should be a mandatory time period where he shouldn't be back in the cage. Yeah. So, Jim Miller, Jim Miller was, was, so Miller was supposed to take on Ludovic Klein initially. This fight card has had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, seven fight changes. With various fighters pulling out of the fight card. One would be Misha Tate. Who is she supposed to fight? Uh, Morena Bueno Silva. Oh, was that the main event? I believe it was supposed to be the main event. You would think it would Damn, be Misha well. Tate. Yeah, Kai Kara, France, and Alboski is a better fight. So we lucked out there. Um, yeah, Elliot Victor is a good fight. I'm excited for to see Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. He's probably he's like out of all the Nurmagomedovs, he's probably the least interesting. But he's still a Nurmagomedov, mm-hmm. and you know he's starting to piece together some nice wins, and he's taking on a tough opponent, Dos Santos. Um, also, dude, uh, Andre Arlovski back in our lives again. On the on the prelims, trying to work his way back up to heavyweight championship opportunity, going up against Dontel Mays. I think I think Andre still's got a win in him, and I think he's going to utilize the clinch and and uh, and beat uh, beat Dontel. Think about this: Arlovsky six and two in his last eight fights. I want to see this dude fight for a heavyweight championship. All right, let's make it happen, Andre. By the way, his last two wins have both been via split decision. Of course, he's coming off that first round loss against Marcus Rodrigo de Lima back in October of last year. When is the last time? Is it the Travis Brown fight the last time he won a fight by stoppage? Oh, well, let me pull up his record. I'm going down it. I'm going down it. Jeez Louise. Yes, it was. Travis Brown in 2015, last time. Our won a fight via stoppage. Eight years ago. Eight effing years ago. Damn, it's fun to just go down Andre's fight record and be like, damn, remember Junior Albini? I sure don't, but he was a guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember Junior Albini, yeah. 
Let me think of. Let me look at Andre's career and look at the oldest dude I can think of. This dude fought Rico Rodriguez. All right, he fought Pedro Hizo, Tim okay. Sylvia. He was fighting. He was fighting for the heavyweight championship nearly twenty years ago in the UFC. All right, think about this. So I just pulled up UFC 187, the last time Arlovsky won a fight via stoppage. How yeah. many fighters do you think are still active in MMA? Well, I screwed that up last time we did it. Um, uh, I'm going to go. I have the card up, but I didn't look at it. I promise. I'm going to go with four. All right, so the main event was Cormier and Anthony Johnson. Co-main event was Chris Weidman, Vitor Belfort. One. I guess you would say Weidman. Belfort is still is active in boxing, not active. Then we got Cerrone and McDessie. I don't – I think McDessie is still active. Yeah. Uh, McDessie's last fight was in September of last year. Cerrone's retired. Arlosky Brown. Brown's – I don't know if he ever officially retired, but he's not involved in the game anymore. Uh, then you had Joseph Benavidez versus John Moraga. Benavidez is retired. So I want to say John Moraga was in boxing, I want to say. He hasn't fought since this UFC fight in, in terms of mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah. So he is, uh, he's been in his last f- one, two, three, four, five, six. His last six fights have all been in boxing. Wow. Kind of a, up and down a boxing record there. You got John Dotson who... I know has not closed the door on MMA, but uh, primarily doing bare knuckle boxing. Yeah, uh, he's, been, on, he's been fighting in Ryzen, so. Yeah, uh, taking on Zach Mikowski. I, I don't know if Mikowski is still active or not. Uh, Dude, John Dodson fought this month. Was that the Ryzen card? Yeah, fought, fought one yeah. by decision. You got Dong Young Kim, Josh Berkman, Rafael Natal, Uriah Hall. Colby Covington was the third fight of the night against Mike Pyle. Mike Pyle is definitely retired. Uh, Islam Magachev was the second fight of the night against Leo Kuntz. Wow. And then you had Josh Scoggins, Justin Scoggins, excuse me, against Josh Sampo. Dude, Justin Scoggins is one dude I thought was going to do a lot. Is he still in the U.S.? Nope, he's on the U.S. anymore. I thought Justin Scoggins was going to be like a flyweight contender for years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he just uh, he, he didn't pan out. Yeah, he, yeah, he's coming off a win uh, in X MMA. Crazy thing is, and this is why I love topology. Like, think of the this was a canceled or slash fizzled bouts for UFC. Uh, was it one eighty seven? Yeah, one eighty seven. So this is twenty fifteen. Aldo McGregor, wow. Jones Rumble, wow, Cerrone, Habib, Habib, Habib would destroy Cerrone. <laughs> yeah, that's such a bad matchup. Oh my God! Yeah, that would have been a butt weapon. I, you know what? I saw a crazy stat on Habib Nurmagomedov the other day. I didn't. I'm looking it up now. The stat was so Habib Nurmagomedov, one of the greatest fighters to ever compete in MMA, compete in the octagon. Okay, the stat was wrong. It said how he never. Oh no, no. The stat was he had never won a fight of the night bonus, but he had won a. He won. He won Three performance of the night bonuses. Yes. Say that one more time. It's not crazy. It, the, the thing was how you never won he a fight won. of the night bonus, which is not surprising because usually he just wrecked people. Um, yeah, fight of the night is usually close. So he only won three performance of the nights in his entire career. It's still kind of crazy, though. He only got three performance of the night bonuses. He didn't have that many finishes, did he? 
Oh, he had, it mostly just decisions. Well, his last three wins were it? all were all submissions against Connor Poirier, Gaethje. Uh, were those his performance of the night? You know, he did not get. He got performance of the night against Poirier and Gaethje. The other performance of the night was against Edson Barboza in a decision win. Yeah, let me look at his run. Yeah, but like, boom. Okay, so he had three submissions, and then after that, decision, decision, submission, TKO, decision, 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 KO, decision, submission. So it's kind of surprising he didn't get something for like his win over Tiago Tavares or Kamal Shalarus when he started off his career. But uh, that's a bit surprising, but not the most shocking that he never won fight of the night. I mean, was there ever a fight that was close in his career? I don't no, think there's a single really. one. No, I, I mean um, not. I will tell you, as I was looking through Habib's record, his seventh pro fight was against a guy that if he doesn't have an instant away from the cage, who knows how good he would have been? Shabalat Shamalayev. I mean, that is a name from the past. There are many people who no idea. He came to belts or ended up, uh, I want to say he was, he was shot several times in Russia. Um, his, he fought, uh, last fight was in 2014. Was he shot before he lost those two fights? No, it was after. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I forgot about him. I totally forgot about that he existed. But, yeah, he won a Bellator tournament. Yeah, that, that um, was one of those guys that, I mean, he, he lost his last two Bellator fights, but he was kind of one of those guys that I just thought would ultimately be uh, be better than uh, what the record ultimately ended up being. But, who, was, uh, who, was that dude? who was that dude? His nickname was Frodo. Frodo Kospelayev, yeah, the guy who couldn't get in, can't get into the United States anymore, can't even get in Canada yeah. anymore. Damn, yeah, damn. I, I remember when uh, me and Sam were doing a show together. Uh, yeah, there were there were some people who did not like us talking about the fact that he couldn't get into the United States. So I think Frodo won the season eight featherweight tournament, and then uh, the dude before the dude you were just talking about won season seven. So I think that tournament was was jinxed. Yeah, look, I would say this right now. Bellator was trying whatever they could to get Frodo in the country, but they could not get him a visa. Damn. Damn. Look, and if you can't get into the country, there's a goddamn good reason you can't get in the country. Yep, you're probably right, especially these people coming from Russia. They, I mean, they're probably affiliated with somebody who, who put some red flags. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I remember that was one kind of one thing that says like if if you uh, have any any communication with somebody who might be on a list, you ain't getting into the country. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's one of those cases. Uh, so the Ultimate Fire debuts tonight as we're recording the show, and Connor's talking about fighting Volkanovski, so he's <laughs> off to the races. I tell you, I saw some media hyping up this season, and I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, all right, I'll take that for it is. I'll watch episode one. I'm, I have not actively watched Ultimate Fighter in ten plus years. I just think the show sucks. Look, I saw the entire last season. This, I should have been given an award in journalism, or at least a hundred dollars from Dana White. Maybe he could have given me a hundred dollars for watching the Ultimate Fighter uh, last season. So, there's no way that this season will be worse than last season. So, I'm gonna try and watch this season. Last time I was watching it episode by episode, I got a little behind, but then I binge watched it. I'm pretty sure I must not have had a job during that time uh, if I had that much free time. Well, that would explain so, things. 
Yeah, I know. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get ahead. You know, there's literally as we're talking, there's a commercial for the Ultimate Fighter on my TV screen. So that's just uh, well, I have ESPN on. So yeah. So I mean, I, wow. And and Connor pushed Michael Chandler. Ooh, look for that. Well, I mean, he, here's the thing to me that would be interesting to watch about the season: how much of the focus is on Connor and and the interactions with Chandler as opposed to the actual fighters on this season. Well, if you're trying to do a show to get people to watch, it should probably be mostly Connor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you're not you're not wrong. Connor is the most interesting dude in the history of this sport, right? Netflix just put out a documentary that's just like watch Connor McGregor train for four episodes. You already know what's going to happen in each episode because each episode's about mm-hmm. a single fight. And it's pretty interesting. He's the most interesting dude in the world, so it's you know, as Luke Thomas says, promotional malpractice to have Conor McGregor on camera and not build the entire show around him. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they're going to do. That's what they should do. But who knows? Maybe there'll be a fighter on this roster that's a star. You look at the talent from last season, the Ultimate Fighter, really none of them is sticking out to me right now. Hopefully that changes with this season. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough for me to get excited about the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, Dana did allude to that during the season, that's when the announcement of when Connor is going to fight. Um, the the word that seems to be going around is November at MSG is when uh, Connor will fight Chandler, and God knows what weight class it's going to be at. It could be a eighty five, could be a seventy. It, it is not going to be at eighty five, <laughs> dude. Michael Chandler. Would Have you not... seen Connor recently? I know, but Michael Chandler's not going to fight at one eighty five. Are you kidding me? I bet he would, dude. He's about to get—he's about to get the biggest payday of his life, dude. Michael Chandler would be the smallest middleweight of all time. I just—I I just hope Chandler's getting pay-per-view points for that pay-per-view, so he can really get uh, someone out of the bag. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And just a few pay-per-view points. It's going to be a big fight. It is. But yeah. I bet it's going to. I bet it's going to be at one seventy. Dude, how about uh, speaking of great combat sports weekends? How about that July 29th and 30th? UFC 291 with Gaethje and Poirier. Spence and Crawford pay-per-view that night. And then early in the morning, we'll have the Bellator Rising co-promotion with that's headlined by AJ McKee and uh, Patricky Pitbull. That's a great That's a great one. I'm, uh, I'm all in. And, I'm and all I mean, in. And I mentioned this on Sunday's podcast. I was listening to... Um, Big John and Josh Thompson podcast. They were talking about it, and Big John said that will air live. So I guess we're gonna have to stay up to like four or five o'clock in the morning to watch that paper that uh, fight card. But I did find interesting that in the press release announcing it, it noted that broadcast details will be announced at a later date. What do you think that means? I have no idea. Oh yeah, well, maybe it'll be on Fight TV or something. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, my wallet hopes that it's not an additional cost I got to pay. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's just on Paramount Plus or something. Uh, or maybe you know, maybe it'll just be on Straight Up Showtime. Uh, but we'll see. I'm excited. I really am. I uh, I'm excited for that weekend. Again, this whole month of June, there's not a lot to be excited about. I mean, yeah, Sergio Pettis, Patricio Pitbull. That's something to be excited about. Charles Oliveira, Benil Dariush, that's something to be excited about. But that pay-per-view is a pretty weak pay-per-view compared to what we usually get. July is going to be just a much better month for a mixed martial arts fan in the month of June. Yeah, I mean, the June pay-per-view just is like, yeah, 
It's okay. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Like, I'm probably more excited for Oliver and Darius and Ige and Landwehr than I am the main event of Nunez and Aldana. Yeah. I mean, that June pay per view is one fight cancellation from a nightmare. Oh, good Lord. Why, why are you putting that in the universe? I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. They they lose Olivera Dariush, they are screwed. Oof, yeah. I don't even know what the hell they would do. I mean, what I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to throw this stuff into the universe like you are. I'm just saying they might have to pay Bellator. They might have to buy Bellator <laughs> so they can put Patricio's fight on the pay per view. As a fight fan, I love that. Oh, God. Could you imagine incorporating that Bellator roster into the UFC roster? Oh, can you imagine Nemkov versus light heavyweight champion, Eblen versus the middleweight champion, Amasov versus the welterweight champion, McKee versus the lightweight champion, Sergio versus the bantamweight champion, Patricio versus the featherweight champion, Chris Cyborg versus, well, there's something really interesting there. But, yeah, all those fights I'm excited for. Kyoji back in the flyweight division. You know, Sergio chilling in the bantamweight division. Let's go. I'll say this, man. I, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday's podcast. I, I belts are getting into the men's flyweight division. Like, I feel like it's going to be women's one forty five, or just doing one off fights for Kojo or Gucci. Yeah, there aren't a lot of flyweights that are that interested. Now, if you're a UFC flyweight, I think this is great news. Yeah, now you yeah, have you a legitimate can, option out there. You can be the Liz Carmouche of Bellator. You know, uh, does Sergio Pez drop to 125 after his fight against Pat- uh, Patricio? No matter what happens, it's possible. Champ, champ, he's done it before. I, I think that's a real possibility for sure. Especially if he looks at Kyoji and, and sizes him up as a guy he I, can go out there and beat. I still don't understand why that is not the main event of that fight card in, in Chicago. I know it's the best fight Bellator has ever put on, and it's not the main event. I get what? there's a, a major Russian population in Chicago, so maybe that's why Nimkov's the main event. But how do you not have Patricio when he's going for his third division title? Yeah. In a fight that you know is going to be entertaining, both those guys always bring it. I agree with you. And Sergio come, coming back from, uh, well, say, I, I believe it was ACL surgery. Yeah, it was a pretty significant injury. A significant amount of time off, and uh, he's got that and, fight, and, and obviously patchy way in the wings. And lost out for being in the tournament winning a million-dollar payday. I know, I know. Now he's going to have to fight patchy without a million dollars on the line if he gets through Patricio. Yeah, like someone someone hit me up on DM and saying basically like, hey, Bellator should create an interim featherweight title fight because they just announced today that Pico is going to take on Pedro Carvajal, um, a part of that Dublin card in, um, we'll say it's September. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was like, and my response to him was basically, of, I think you're going to see Bellator is going to wait and see what happens in this matchup before deciding what they do with the featherweight title. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They're, I mean, Patricio is going it factors into that weight class so heavily yeah i agree with you yeah yeah i mean it's but that's that's i mean look bellator's not doing a ton of fight cards anymore i mean it's i mean it's really tailed off i mean it seems like it looks like 14 fight cards look like they're going to do this year um but that that fight card on june 16th is is a great fight card i think it's the 16th yeah well i would rather i'd rather i'd rather them 
I think it's the 16th. I would rather them do less fight cards, but make sure every single one is good than just do a bunch of fight cards I don't care about. Oh, so you're talking about the UFC? I... I I, I've seen this like on, on MMA Twitter, people, people complaining about when you say a UFC card is just not good. I'm like, there's other things I want to do with my life on a Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, look at a UFC fight night car from 2007, right? Like, let me just look at freaking, uh, I don't know. Let me just go 2007 in UFC and let me Google, let me look up, uh, let me look up a fight night card, uh, UFC fight night. Uh, Stevenson versus Gillard. You have Joe Stevenson. Okay, this is actually a bad example. I this fight card sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but think about this, Jason. This fight card that I pulled up that isn't that good that only drew seventeen hundred fans to the palms. How many fights do you think were on it? Ten. Nine. There were three main card fights. Melvin Gillard versus Joe Stevenson. Justin McCauley, Anthony Hardon, Kenny Florian versus Dokun Jonoske Mishima. Well, I mean, look, the, the reality is is that the UFC is in the content business right now. And so they're going to give us quantity. Now, look, the pay-per-views are always going to try to stack the deck to make those quality pay-per-views. But these fight night cards, I mean, look, to use the Ben Folks line, we're just doing some fights, bro. Yep, yep. Doing two or three really good fights to get people in the door, get people to watch, and and yeah, just some fights. But you know, when they do just some fights, there still tends to be some good highlights. So I'm I'm looking forward to it anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it, it, I was just kind of thinking about because I was getting a text about the NBA finals. I'm like, can the UFC just create a studio show like inside the NBA? Nope. No one. I can. mean, I mean, everyone's tried to. <laughs> but that's that's the best studio show of all time in the history of time. I don't know if you were watching it last night after the game and they're talking about uh all the three pointers the Celtics missed and and Shaq goes, If my team started 0 for ten for shooting for threes, I would send the huddle. The next one who shoots a three, I'm punching him in the mouth. I saw that. That was <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Dude, those guys are legends. It will never get better than that. It really won't. That is the best studio show of all time, bar none. Kenny Smith and Chuck are amazing. Ernie is the greatest host of all time, and Shaq's been a nice addition to those two. But uh, it's all about Ernie and Chuck and 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 and, and uh, Kenny. Uh, it's the best. But yeah, if you're looking at UFC people, I mean, you can put on an entertaining show. There's enough personalities. I mean, the commentators are great. I love Paul Felder. I'm still shocked they have not created an alternate broadcast, kind of like the Manning cast. I mean, everyone's yeah, kind of doing been. that now, but I'm shocked they haven't. Yeah. Well, no one's really done a good job other than the Manning cast. I mean, the, I mean, other than like the college football playoffs, that the that's a good alternate broadcast. They have the coaches' room, I, but uh, yeah, I've watched, I know uh, I know MLB MLB has a Rod do one, but I just I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, to me, it's easier to do that for MLB broadcast just because, well, prior to this year, you had a lot of dead time in between action. Yeah. Uh, that's no longer the case. I mean, games are yeah. over in, what, two and a half hours? I, I went to a game last week. Dude, it was over before you knew it. Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely MLB literally changed them. Like, they saved themselves with this rule change. Like, 
you can't overstate how important that rule change was. It, it's funny. I love it. I think it's amazing. I've got some friends who absolutely hate it. They're baseball purists. They're like, no, this is ruining the game. And I'm like, bro, I don't want to sit for a three-and-a-half-hour game. Yeah. Yeah, people who think it's ruining the game need to get with the program. The time of this uh, – the time uh, – it was killing the sport, the, the old rules. Less and less people were interested. And this is a really good baseball season. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Rangers fan and we have the second-best team in baseball right now. It's a really good baseball season. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited to yeah. see how it goes on. I hope we hold on to our lead. And, and uh, to me, the games are just better. You know after a pitch, it's only going to be so many seconds until you see another one. Yeah, the Rangers are playing the race here next weekend. I think I'm going to the Saturday game. Hell yeah. Well, I hope we kick your ass, man. You know, especially because, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pissed off. My Dallas Stars just got eliminated last night, and we got completely destroyed. So uh, I'm looking for the Rangers to, to pull through for me. Well, I guess you shouldn't have Ric Flair and Mike Tyson wearing your jerseys. Yeah, well, they wear everybody's jerseys, so. They do, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. you could probably find Ric Flair in a jersey of literally every NHL, MLB, NBA, and college team. For reals. Like, Look, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just telling people, if you want to meet Ric Flair, just take some trips to some South Tampa bars. You got a good chance you're going to see him. Just saying. <laughs> Yeah, he ain't the nature boy. For, I mean, that's why he's the nature boy. N- N- nature has made his way around the South Tampa bars. Let's just say that. Nature has made his way around every bar in this great country. Yeah, well, he, he lives here now, so you, yeah. yeah. He, he's a staple. And he wears some Ooh. funky suits, bro. Yeah. Funky yeah. suits. I'm like, whoa. Hey, man. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. All right. He's a legend. I love me some Ric Flair. Dude, speaking uh-huh. of wrestling, uh-huh. is it wrong of me when I see the highlight clip of Sabu coming out at AEW and I go, he's still around? Dude, I literally saw him at the WrestleFest wrestling show I was at. He was there the Sunday before he came out in Wednesday AEW. So I'm sad I didn't say hi to him and be like, hey, man, bring me to AEW, right? I'll be in your corner. Nah. <laughs> but yeah, dude, he was literally at that convention and what was crazy was when I saw him, you know, this is a guy I grew up watching on yeah. TV. Oh, yeah. I was like, damn, he looks he looks pretty old. On AEW, this guy gets on the top rope on the pay-per-view and jumps off through a table. God, I love Sabu, the homicidal suicide. Oh, well, let me see. He's in his 50s at least, right? Yeah, I mean, he started wrestling in the 90s. Uh, he's 58 years old. He, he, he you know, was... He was I because he his uncle was the Sheik who is like a massive legend, but the Sheik was born in 1926. Uh, massive legend in Detroit, but yeah, Sabu started wrestling in 1985. Dude, those late 90s ECW shows, I still cannot believe some of the things those guys did. Well, those those dudes were insane. Now a lot of them were also drunk and high, so they probably weren't thinking. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you watch that AEW show, there was one moment that I, 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 it's so sick. The dude's foot just goes straight into all the thumbtacks. Okay. No, no, no. How about when he does a super kick and like the little explosion on his foot? How, I, I'm like, how did they do this? Well, oh, before he was taken out in the back, right? So he was in the back okay. for the longest time. So when he came back out to the ring, that's when he did the super kick. So they, 
I, I don't know how it worked. I don't know what the trigger was. Can you imagine running back down and you accidentally set the trigger off as you run? I, I, I <laughs> it looked, it looked awesome. If I had to guess, it was a remote trigger. But that's yeah. I mean, I don't know. But I can't get over the the foot and thumbtacks because it wasn't just like one yeah. thumbtack. It was like all of these thumbtacks covering his entire <laughs> heel. And that was one of those things, by the way, that he couldn't like. When the dude got him up in the air, he no longer has a choice. It's going to happen. He's coming back down. And uh, yeah, he went back down. One of the funniest things I saw on TikTok was uh, MJF doing his meaty after it. And they were asking if he was pissed he didn't go on last. He goes, why? You want me to wrestle, roll around in John Moxley's blood? I was like, <laughs> that's a pretty damn good line. <laughs> that is a damn good line. Yeah, they, they destroyed that That place. kid knows how to freaking sell himself, man. There are some I'm, MMA fighters who probably should sit down with him to learn how to cut a promo. No, he's the best. He's the best promo of his generation. He, he clearly he's living the gimmick twenty four seven. Clearly, yeah, yeah. He's uh, think about this. He's twenty seven years old, so you know he's barely just starting. And and, the, and he probably won't wrestle for that much longer. But whatever he does next, oh. he's going to be a superstar. His bank's going to love him because he's going to be putting a lot of money in that bank account. Oh, yeah. I mean, this dude's only wrestled like four times this year. Really? Wow. Yeah. 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 He kind Good of for treats him, himself, man. Yeah, he treats himself like a heavyweight, you know, MMA fighter almost, or like an MMA fighter where he fights only a couple times. It's a special occasion when he steps in the ring. He's on every show cutting promos, but, yeah, he figured it out. Dude, that and the dude, thing is, he knows yeah. how to talk, man. He knows how to talk. And every time he wrestles, he delivers. He puts on a great match, so you know he's a student of the game. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I saw that uh, you know, on TikTok. I just, I was laughing my ass off when I, when I saw that one. And uh, yeah. so yeah, he was a he was in rare form in the post fight presser, post match presser. Like, okay, here's my thing. How many people are showing up to cover a AEW press conference? Like, is a lot of people showing up? I guess so. It's weird. It's weird. But like a lot of those websites also do like little fan meet togethers. Uh, but there's, you know, the internet wrestling community is much bigger than the internet MMA community. Uh, so yeah, there's more of a, there's more of a. I, I was literally having a conversation with somebody in the MMA business about that, like within the last day. I think a big reason why is, I don't know. I mean, I, it's hard to explain, but it just, well, it just went bigger. I this is my sense of the situation. I just I think there is a group of fighters who now are just looking at how interviews are presented and they're just like I just don't want to become some, you know, clickbait headline. Like like Dana White has and I think he rightfully came after the media when they basically took some of the comments he said on Pat McAfee. They skewed them in a way of not, you know, and, and I get where Dana White's coming from, you know, but that unfortunately that is media in 2023. And it's also how Dana White uses the media, right? Think of how he has taken people's quotes out of context. It's how everyone uses the media. It, whether it be the media themselves or people who um, the media covers like a presidential candidate, people twist words and twist facts to fit their narrative and whatever their narrative they want to push out. So it's not just a journal. It's just how we use media. It, it's how we talk as people. If I'm at work with someone and I have a bad experience 
and I talk crap about that someone to another coworker, guess what? I'm I'm twisting their words. I'm saying I'm changing the facts to make me look better. So that's just how we do things. And obviously, as a media, as a journalist, we should hold ourselves to a higher standard. But that's just life. No, no. I mean, it, it's like there's like things I see in how MMA is covered. And sometimes I just kind of I know that there are going to be some people that are going to slant their coverage one way or the other. Because it's, it's what's best for them. I get it. But then, like, there's sometimes, and, and there's some reporters that I'm like, I swear Dana White could say my name is Dana White, and they would think he, they would say he's lying. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know exactly the reporter I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like Dana has enough bad moments to where if you care, cover him fairly, you can hold him accountable consistently because he has plenty of mistakes. And he, oh and he no. Yeah. It, it, things. How but many times? You, it, yeah. I mean, how many times do me and you sat on this podcast? Like, Hey, it, we can bash someone, but we, when they're doing something right, we got to give them the roses. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of how we call it here. You know, I mean, like Dana's going to say plenty of dumb things, yeah. but when Dana does something right, what's wrong with acknowledging that? Yeah, because it gives value to when you criticize them, that you're calling a fair game, that you're an umpire behind the batter calling the balls and strikes as they lay. You're not just calling everything a strike or everything a ball. I mean, look, Dana, I mean, look, I know how Dana looks at the media. Dana looks at the media as an extension of his PR department. He doesn't He doesn't want to hear the people who are going to bash his product. But I think it's, it's, it's our responsibility to give him praise or the UFC praise when they deserve praise, but also when they need to be ridiculed, you're ridiculed. And I just, there, there's just some outlets out there that I just feel like it's slanted one way or the other. And, and there's not playing it in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's more, that's what you want to see. And, and, and there are several people who do a good job of doing it in the middle, but you wanted to see more of it. Um, I, I was literally the person I was talking to. I literally told him, I was like, yeah, there's really only one media member. I really watch the interviews anymore. Yeah. Because wow. I, I, I just feel like he's, I feel like this reporter and I'll say who it is. I think, I think it's John Morgan. I just feel like John Morgan's just asking questions and there's not, and, and he's not trying to get some viral clickbait out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't watch too many uh, interviews, but that's mainly because there's so much content in the world that I want to watch. And yeah. it's not just MMA related. I mean, I'm a big sports fan. I'm a big MMA fan. Uh, I mean, if I watch the interview, it's probably just on aerial show. Yeah, for to me, be honest. I'm just at a point like, like at Houston on, on Sunday's podcast, Houston Alexander. We may have actually talked about fighting for five of the 25 minutes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 51 years yeah. old and still doing the damn thing. And bare knuckle, right? Yeah. At four, he's 4 0 bare knuckle now. Yeah. I remember when he was an old UFC fighter 10 years ago. Dude, he made ago. his UFC debut 16 years ago. Wow. That's crazy. UFC 71, crazy. Rampage versus Liddell. Yeah. I still remember his fight against, uh, let's see, Keith Jardine. And he destroyed Jardine. And uh, damn. Great fight against James Irvin as well. Yeah, he's doing he's doing a lot of stuff in the community in Omaha with uh, going into schools 
and, you know, really helping young kids out, you know, and, uh, those are the type of stories I love to hear about, you know, what is, what is that person, you know, what are they doing their everyday life? You know? Yeah, no, that's great. That's, uh, it gives people a little different outlook on who they are instead of the stereotypical questions. Oh, oh God. Yes. Yes. Anytime I, sometimes I feel bad for fighters. Like it's almost to the point of like, what are the things I can ask that no one else is asking? Yeah, because there's those questions that they just get asked repeatedly every single time. Yeah, I mean, like, hey man, what, what, what's what's the cheat meal during during fight camp? Yeah, yeah, change it up, change it up. Give someone an experience when they're listening to a podcast. You know, if you listen to the the weekend interview, you're going to get a different type of interview. You're going to get a different side of the fighter. Yeah, you, I I tell people all the time, I just don't I don't write down questions. I just let the conversation go where the conversation goes, you know? And I think that, yeah, I think that's a good concept. I think that's what people want out of a podcast. Still saying, I'm trying to figure out who like is like my dream interview. I haven't quite figured it out yet. Probably Tatu Avasa. See, if I was going to do Tatu Avasa, that's got to be like bar hopping, a bar crawl Tatu Avasa. Like you got yeah, a film a crew with you. That's the type of interview I'd want with Tatu Avasa. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what that needs to be. That needs to involve beer being drinking out of a shoe by both the host. Could and you the could you imagine like you just went to like a party district and you just went bar to bar? I mean, I might be dead by the end of the interview. Yeah, yeah, you you would need to get hydrated before and after by an IV. Like, I don't know who else would be, like, on my bucket list of interviews. I don't know. Maybe Conor McGregor was always good. Uh, John Jones. Joe, I mean, Joe Silva would be on my bucket list. I'd be the oh, one person that's a good one to interview. Uh, for sure, Joe Silva. Um, Hunter Campbell. All the people who don't talk is who I would want to talk about Lorenzo Fertitta? Lorenzo Fertitta, yeah. Also, that's another good one. But, yeah, I would look at who are the most important people in the sport that don't talk. Those are the ones I would be my would be the ones I would want to talk to. Joe Silva's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Especially because you know he's a fight nerd. He knows. I mean, he knows so much. Yeah. I almost feel like a referee or judge would be a good one. Yeah. Someone what if you get, like, Sal Diamato to come on? Yeah, I think, that'd be, I think that's a good one. I mean, we've heard John all the time. So Saudi Amato, that just that brought my idea right there. A judges roundtable. Say you get like a Saudi Amato, Chris Lee. Trying to think of other uh, one judges who don't suck. No judges, just that. Could you imagine you could sit there and say you had four or five MMA judges and it was just a roundtable podcast? And you just have a conversation about what they're looking for in fights. I think that would be fascinating. I agree with you. That'd be a good podcast. You know, Derek Cleary, whoever. Yeah. And do yeah. it with and do it with, do it with referees as well. Except that one referee in Texas. We don't want him on. Yeah. yeah he shouldn't be in the cage anymore. Uh 
Yeah, whatever Dude, if you were a is. Texas MMA fighter and you show up to the building to fight and he's your your ref, do you go, oh crap? I yeah, you got die. a question if he's gonna. St- yeah, if he, you got a question, he's gonna stop the fight. Mm-hmm. God, that's that's oh man, that is one of the. I mean, one of the worst things I've ever seen in the sport. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's unreal. But uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode. Of course, new episodes come out every Wednesday. And uh, try to get shows out on Sunday. We'll have a show on Sunday, so be on the lookout for that. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Ameriport Podcast. We're here on your favorite podcasting platform and on the Ameriport YouTube channel.